0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Locked On Magic podcast. My name is Phil Prossman Reich. I'm the editor of Orlando Magic Daily and the host here of the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, we, this is episode two, as as uh, we're joining the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm saying that a lot, uh, and uh, we're hoping to do this every day uh, for for a while now, and, and and see how this goes. A great, great, great project, and I'm glad that you're listening. Uh, before we start the show, I do know that there is a little bit of a problem finding the show on iTunes. Uh, The uh, podcast, the Orlando Magic Daily podcast at least, is moving over to the Locked On Magic podcast uh, feed. You can still get all the old episodes of the Orlando Magic Daily podcast on there. The best way to find it is to log on to Audio Boom and search Locked On Magic uh, or Locked On Magic podcast, and you should be able to get an iTunes subscription from that site. You can also get RSS and listen to to all the episodes. Uh, Today on the show, today is Tuesday, June 21st coming up on the NBA draft. So today, on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that, that was written on the site on Orlando Magic Daily uh, yesterday about Rob Hennigan's future and what he has to accomplish this coming year. Then I'm, then I'm going to ask the big question today, what do the Magic need from the draft this year? And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Golden State Warriors loss means uh, for the future of the NBA and, uh, and what 73 wins even means anymore. Uh, but first, I, I want to talk a little bit about something that, that uh, our good pal Carson Ingle wrote on the site yesterday. Uh, he wrote a column uh, talking about Rob Hennigan's future and how he's now sort of on the clock. The, the, the column is, is headlined, uh, GM Rob Hennigan's Magic Tenure is on the Clock. And I, I certainly agree with the sentiment, and, and I've seen from talking with people talking with magic fans specifically that there is certainly a pressure that has come and I think everyone's felt it it's not just even a pressure coming from the fans it's pressure coming from the management It's been four years since the Orlando Magic started this rebuild they haven't made the playoffs yet they've they've made slow but progressive progress you know going from from 20 wins to 23 wins to 25 wins to, to 35 wins. Uh, that, that that is progress. You, you can't you can't not see the steps forward they've taken. But this magic franchise has never quite been a patient one, and and this rebuild plan that Rob Hennigan undertook after the Dwight Howard trade is something that this franchise has never tried before. And so, you know, they're sitting four years out of the playoffs, tied for the longest playoff drought. In the Magic's 27-year history, just just think of that—they they, they've been in the playoffs pretty much once, at least once every five years, and it's you know it's certainly different to to have this uncertainty heading into year five that they'll make the playoffs. I mean. There's a lot can still happen, and, and that's what where the pressure on Rob Hennigan comes. Now those four years were actually the expansion years, the first four years of the franchise. Um, they had Shaquille O'Neal in year th- in year four uh, to uh, in year three they, they drafted Shaq after the third year, so they had Shaquille O'Neal in year four to to make the playoffs. They they finished tied for eighth at forty one and forty one uh, in that in that fourth year. So you know, even by that standard, you know the Magic are further away from the playoffs than they were coming out of the expansion year, and you know lottery luck has a lot to do with that. And you know the the rebuilding plan Rob Hennigan undertook was certainly an ambitious one. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of slow and thoughtful, and, and maybe thoughtful is the wrong word, but but slow and, and methodical, and they didn't want to skip any steps. They wanted to wait for the right opportunity, and that right opportunity hasn't come along. The Magic didn't win the lottery. Uh, the, the only time that they've maintained their draft position in the last four years were last year when they got the fifth pick and two years ago when they got the 11th pick. With top three lottery odds, they ended up in the top three just once, and that got them the second pick in one of the worst drafts in NBA history, and they picked Victor Oladipo, who, you know, on a redraft uh, from fansided.com, uh, Victor went fourth or fifth. So you're you, getting the fifth, fourth or fifth best player in a draft at the number two pick is not bad. Uh, as, as we all, the, all know, the draft can be a little bit of a crapshoot. And, and is a good player. But the question is, can he become a star? And that leads to a larger question about Rob Hennigan and the thing that he's built and, and, and the team that he's trying to build and grow and, and foster and and move up. And that is where he's at this year. This summer is a big summer. He traded Tobias Harris for Brandon Jennings and Arsano Yesova, clearing away about sixteen million dollars of cap space. now uh, the Magic are one of the few teams that they're one of the few teams that have the cap space to sign two max guys if they want to. The trick is convincing those guys to come here. And and I've been, you know, I'm typically an optimist. I typically believe things work out. Uh, but I fully admit I'm I'm a little pessimistic about this summer. And it's not anything Rob Hennigan can do. It, it's it's about who's going to come to this team that's won 35 games and haven't. Hasn't been to the playoffs. Who's going to come to this team and buy into this group? And and that's really the job Rob Rob Hennigan's going to have to do. He's drafted well. Um, He hasn't picked good coaches, but he's drafted well. He's traded well. He's had the right idea. I think he's had the right process. But to take that step forward, he's got to get someone to believe in this team and take a risk and join this team. I'm not certain it's going to be a Max guy. I'm not certain it's going to be an Al Horford. I think Rob Hennigan's going to have to take a risk somewhere And, and. he hasn't taken many risks. He hasn't had his tenure as a GM tied to the success of one decision. He always had an out, and that's a good thing as a GM. You want a GM that maintains flexibility and keeps his outs. But it might be time to take a risk. It might be time, if the Magic believe, believe in him, I'm not a fan of his, but this is the best for instance I can come up with, it might be time for the Magic to say, we believe Harrison Barnes can, can take a step up into a bigger role and complement what we have on the roster already, we're going to be the team that gives him a max contract. That could be that could be what does it. That could be the the, the decision that Hennigan ties his future to. Um, it, it's 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 definitely a very precarious summer, summer, and Hennigan is going to be judged on his results. So don't be surprised if you see the magic involved in a lot of trade talks. We we know that they that they're at least hovering in the background of Jimmy Butler talks with Chicago. If if the Bulls are looking to move Jimmy Butler. Um, it, we know that, you know, they're, they, we know, as Hennigan always says, we're going to be active. We're, you know, we're, we're going to be, we're going to listen. We're going to be open-minded, but you know, they're going to still be methodical and, and they're still going to kind of stick to the process that they've been trying to build, trying to, to, to move forward with. And so that leaves big questions for Hennigan. What if he can't deliver? What if the team only improves to 40 wins and misses the playoffs by a few games? Is that enough to, for him To keep his job and stay on this path what if they falter what if they again they have kind of a false start and they're at 37 wins and it looks like this group doesn't have a ceiling what do the magic do then do they force Hennigan to make a big move do they say you've got to make a big splash this summer or do they go ahead and say we need to move on we need to have a different voice something isn't working um just like with the team if you know if there's a ceiling somewhere and you've reached that ceiling, it's, it's time to move on. And, and the Magic have a good coach in Frank Vogel. I think any GM will, would be able to work with him. I don't think that that's, that's going to be an issue. But uh, Rob Hennigan's under the gun, and it really starts on Thursday with the NBA draft. So we're going to move on to the big question that I have entering this NBA draft, and that is what do the Magic need? What are the magic looking for in this nba draft now for the last four years the magic have kind of entered the draft top five pick and and when you have a top five pick you just take the best player available i I really uh, generally in the draft i believe you take the best player available you you if you draft on need you're going to miss out on something and you can always you know draft picks have such cheap contracts you can always figure it out later you can always figure out positioning later you can always figure things out later until you have to pay them and the Magic are certainly starting to have to pay some other players, so they have to start figuring some of these questions out. Uh, but this draft is different. They're drafting at eleven, a little bit later in the draft. They're gonna, you know, you look at the players that, that they could be looking at. A, you know, a guy like Scalabocciere, Deontay Davis. Uh, I've seen some mocks where Marquise Chris falls to them. I've seen like Denzel Valentine. Um, you know, some people have them reaching for Malachi Richardson. They could take a backup point guard and like a Wade Baldwin or. Uh, go go for a foreign guy like Timothy Luwawu or or Ferkin Korkmaz. Um, there there are a lot of options available to this team. So so how what do the Magic decide their strategy is for the draft? You know, do they take the best player available? If if you know if Denz, if Denzel Valentine's the best player available on their board, do they take him? Even if he has a very low ceiling, even if he seems like he is the player who he is, uh, if if they think you know, uh, a Scalabissier, a really kind of raw, undeveloped prospect, is the best player available, do they take him? You know, what, what's, what's the strategy? Do they look to fill a specific need? Do they feel like we need a small forward, we need some length on the wing? You know, we need a guy that's going to be able to come in and, and fill that role. Uh, I think that best player available is certainly still the strategy at 11. But it comes with a caveat. I, I think that the Magic also expect... That whoever they draft will be able to contribute to the team in some way this year, not as a starter. And and this isn't to, and this isn't to say that I think like Mario Hazonia last year wasn't going to be able to contribute to the team. I think he did. Um, it was a little slower than I think most people believed. Uh, you know, you can certainly criticize how Scott Skiles handled his minutes, but I think you know we can really expect the magic to to focus in on a guy that not only. Is the best player available, or one of the best player ava- players available on their bo- on their board, but they're but also is going to be able to come off the bench and contribute to the team. And, and let me, I guess, explain a little bit more about that. So, you know, and I'll I'll review this a little bit more in, in tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Magic podcast because I've been doing a couple of a uh, couple of mock drafts for for various publications. So I'll, I'll try and review those as well. Um, you know, I look at how those mock drafts have shaken out. And, you know, Scott Labessiere, Deontay Davis seem to be kind of the two guys that most mock drafts peg the magic taking. Um, it, it seems like those are the two guys that most people believe the magic will take. And, and it's, it's clear they, they fill a need in, in getting some rim protection and some athleticism at center. Uh, they, they, they are certainly two of the most talented players available, and certainly have pretty high ceilings. Both both freshmen had some struggles at the college level, but you know are still very young and still learning the game, and and have an opportunity to continue to grow. and I think that's important. You don't want to take a player that only will contribute this year. You need you need a player that can that can grow and eventually fill one of your big needs. Like like I've said on Twitter, at least I don't remember if I said this yesterday. On I, I believe I did say this yesterday, actually, on the Locked On Magic podcast. You know, Nikola Vucevic, for all his flaws, is still a starter quality center. You can't give him away without having his replacement in place. So if you draft a Deontay Davis or Scalabasier, they can play behind a Nikola Vucevic for a year or two until they're ready, and then when they're ready, they move into the starting lineup and you move you move away from Vucevic. That's that's sort of how the draft is supposed to work at this stage, especially at this pick. It's supposed to pick players that maybe are not starter quality yet, but can still contribute off the bench, still do something for you, and then move into that role. And I look at a guy like like and Davis, and I say, you know, they can do a lot of the things that D- Dwayne Dedman can do. So, you know, are you really losing much that you don't already have? Are you really taking a step back if you replace a Dwayne Dedman with a, with a Deontay Davis? And that's not to say Dwayne Dedman's a bad player or. or, or anything. But Deadman's still very, very raw. It's, it's hard to determine what his value is going to be. You might lose him in restricted free agency. So you're also kind of filling, preparing to fill a need that you may have already. Uh, so obviously, there's a lot, lot at play. So to answer this big question, the Magic need to take the best player available. But they need to make sure that player is ready to contribute in some form or fashion off the bench. Because like I said earlier, the Magic are under pressure to make the playoffs this year. So they can't have a draft pick that needs to spend a lot of time in the D-League, needs to learn the game, needs to catch up on a lot of things. They need a pick that's going to contribute in some in some way, in some form or fashion, while still having the upside to grow because this is still a team that's growing. This isn't a complete team at all. Uh, so, you know, I, I focus on, on Scal and, and Deontay Davis. I think Denzel Valentine is someone who can contribute right away but doesn't necessarily have a high ceiling. And then I think that a guy like uh, like a Jakob Pertl, is 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 a okay fit? Uh, I I see him as a little too similar to Vucevic in, in a lot of ways. I, I don't think he can defend pick and rolls, uh, particularly quickly or with any with with you know with the same kind of speed that that, that potentially Davis or, or Scal have. You can tell that I have Prudel kind of kind of low on my board, uh, but you know we'll see we'll see uh, what what happens how the draft plays out. I'm sure we all have it wrong in, in all the mock drafts that, that we've been doing. So in, in our final segment today, I wanted to kind of take a step back one more time uh, and look around the NBA and, and something that I've been thinking about a lot more and, and it certainly has something to do with magic fandom as well and, and sports fandom in general in trying to figure out what does the Golden State Warriors loss mean? And I'm gonna I'll tell a quick story to, to relate this back to the magic in some way. So yesterday, uh, I, I was I was talking with someone on, on social media, and this argument comes up every once in a while, and I'm still amazed that this argument comes up as often as it does. Uh, Someone saying, you know, A, they're they're talking a little bit about something I'll I'll hint at uh, in in a little bit, but um, saying, you know, the Magic should never have traded Courtney Lee and Hito Turkoglu and broken up the chemistry of the 2019. And, you know, I said to him, I, I, I said back to him, you know, I, I hear you there, but the Magic weren't going to pay Turkoglu what, what he wanted in 09, in the summer of 09. And the Magic got better, in my opinion, in 2010. I think the 2010 team was better than the 2009 team. And some people think I'm crazy. And one of their first arguments will be the 2009 team made the finals. The 2010 team did not. And my thought process to that was that that's not necessarily relevant. Like the 2010 team was certainly capable of of getting to the finals they had they had in many respects a better regular season than the 2019 team they, they equaled them in wins they finished with the second seed where the 2019 finished with the third seed and and so on and so on and so on and so on it's, it's a debate that that's gonna you know probably rage among magic fans and and certainly could lose some potency as, as time goes on. but what I look at when I you know, when I, what I thought about when I saw this argument coming up again is, you know, kind of the nature of fandom. We're all so focused on, on winning the championship and, and, and lifting the trophy that they give out at the end and kind of forget the journey and how special the journey is. And, and we all appreciate the 2009 team. And I think the 2010 team gets lost because everyone knows that that team was supposed to win a championship that that the only thing that mattered was winning a championship for that season. And you know I, honestly, I think that focus to some extent poisoned the team for the two thousand and eleven season when things began to fall apart, you know, missing that expectation and not enjoy not kind of appreciating the ride to get there. And this is not to say players should not be going after the championship. I think the 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 playoffs are a special thing, that is it, they're just a joy to watch. It, the competition is incredible, but it's a different challenge in the regular season. It's it's a very different challenge in the regular season. And I think often the regular season is forgotten in this this blind quest for the championship. And you know I've I've had this thought for a while, and and I wrote it for hardwood proxism today about the Golden State Warriors and. Saying 73 wins still means something to me. They 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 had the greatest regular season in NBA history. Just because they didn't win the championship doesn't mean they're not a great team. Just because they didn't win the championship doesn't mean they're not a champion in some form. I I I believe in having a regular season champion, and the NBA maybe is a little bit different because the there there are few upsets in the NBA playoffs. The, the best that the team with the best record does win the title more very often. Although, this was one of the first finals in a long time where he had the two top seats. The, the, I mean, you look at the team like the Atlanta Hawks last year. Everyone called them frauds because they, they couldn't get to the finals. They couldn't beat the Cavs. They couldn't win the championship. I just think that's completely unfair. The regular season asks teams to accomplish something very different than the playoffs. Um, in the playoffs, you get the opportunity to sit down, game plan your opponent, make specific changes to your lineups, to your strategy, to beat a specific team. You don't get that luxury in the regular season. And the regular, the regular season is almost a pure form of basketball. You show up the night before, roll out the basketball, have your principles, have your ideas, you know, make little tweaks here and there, but you've got to play that one game, and then you've got to play another guy two nights later, or the, even the next night. It's a completely different challenge. And so what I would challenge fans to think about it when they think about this Warriors team is to recognize they may not have been able to win the playoffs. They may have faced a bad matchup in Cleveland. They may, they may have gotten away with facing a, a, a worse matchup in San Antonio. Look at San Antonio. You're telling me San Antonio's season is, is somehow a failure? They had one of the best records in NBA history. Their season's somehow a failure because they lost in the second round? I I I'm just not buying that. And I know it's controversial. Our American sports culture says championship championship championship. But you know, something and and something that really made me pause and think about this was it was Orlando City coach Adrian Heath during Orlando City's second year. They won the the regular season championship for for having the best record scoring having the most points. And I believe he said heading into the playoffs that year. It might have been the first year. That, that this happened when they won both but he said he said heading into the playoffs you know we've worked hard for six months for, for four or five months here to win this trophy to be called the best team in the regular season and for some reason you Americans like to determine your champion by a playoff so the next month is more important than the next than the last four or five that we did and I hope that we can win the championship a single elimination tournament is a much different challenge than a regular season. There's obviously a much smaller margin for error and a bigger chance of variability. I think the NBA should have a single elimination tournament. That way, we really test all three ways to determine a champion. Both regular season play, play the, the best of seven series in the playoffs, a, a very difficult challenge, and a single elimination tournament, just your ability to survive. They, ch- they challenge three different things about each team. And the Golden State Warriors certainly failed a big challenge in not winning the finals, not being able to close out a 3-1 deficit, and not adding an NBA championship to their 73-win season in the regular season. And that's why we'll probably not call the Golden State Warriors one of the greatest teams of all time. They'll always be one of the greatest regular season teams of all time. And frankly, I don't think that's that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I welcome you to share your thoughts and opinions about, uh, about that, about that, about anything I say here on the Lockdown Magic Podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Daily and of course on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I'm sure I'll be putting some of these stray thoughts together, uh, for a post as well. Uh, you know, you can check out my post on the, on the Golden State Warriors 73 win season, still having some meaning up on hardwoodparoxism.com. uh, I'll be back here again tomorrow on the Locked On Magic podcast. I'll, like I said, I've been doing some 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 community mock drafts, and so I have a little bit of a sense of maybe how this this draft will will go down. So I'll share my observations on that tomorrow and recap uh, the draft profiles we've been doing on Orlando Magic Daily for the last few weeks. Uh, so for that, you can all you can also find us on Audio Boom. I know we're having problems with the iTunes feed. Uh, if you go to Audio Boom, I'll share I'll share a link. Um, or if you're listening to this on, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, you can, I guess, there's an Audio Boom button. You can click to listen on Audio Boom. Search Locked On Magic. There should be something on the left that says iTunes. If you click on that, it takes you to iTunes and subscribes you to the podcast, uh, so you can get it on your iTunes directly. It'll start downloading. Uh, I, I guess there's there's some delay with getting us up on on the search function. It happens. It happened when I set up my old podcast feed as well. Uh, but that's how, you can, that's how you can get us every single day. I'll try and include these links in, in our posts on orlandomagicdaily.com as well. Uh, until tomorrow then, I will, I will t- see you then. Uh, my name is Phil brosman Wright. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Magic Podcast.